0: Today was supposed to be the last one of this series. <clears throat> I'll explain later why it won't be. <laughs> I, I kind of told Russ a little bit. I was like, oh. Anyway, all right, let's begin with some things first that made me pause and ponder this week. We didn't do this last week, but um, these ones are, are good. I think you'll like them. Some of them are a little longer, but they're deep. So these are the rabbit trail look of squirrel thoughts and comments of my week. Um, If you can't figure out how to be kind, figure out how to be quiet. That's a, a good lesson for all of us. The Bible doesn't say anything. We say things about the Bible. It's an important distinction. And I used to say this all the time. Well, the Bible says, I've never heard a piece of paper talk before. It doesn't speak. It's written words. Who speaks? The Holy Spirit speaks. Big, big, big difference. This is a longer one. Richard Rohr. Love, which might be called the attraction of all things towards all things, is a universal language and underlying energy that keeps showing itself despite our best efforts to resist it. It is so simple that it is hard to teach in words, yet we all know it when we see it. After all, there is not a native Hindu, Buddhist, Jewish, Islamic, or Christian way of loving. There's not a Methodist, Lutheran, Orthodox way of running a soup kitchen. There's not a gay or straight way of being faithful, nor a black or Caucasian way of hoping. We all know positive flow when we see it, and we all know resistance and coldness when we feel it. All the rest are mere labels. I thought, that is good. He phrases love in a language that those that are not churched actually understand. And the church needs to learn that language too. We do. I loved it. Baxter Kruger. In John's gospel, Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. He does not say, I will be the light of the world when all people finally decide to follow me, or I will be the light of the world when people finally get their religion right, or when the church does her job and converts the world. He says, I am the light of the world. This is not a prophecy or a projection of what may be someday in the future. It's not even an invitation. It's a simple declaration. That is a great way to reflect on our differences, especially when it comes to our theology. He is the light of the world. Now, it's true whether we believe it or not. It's been true. Before we believed it. It's it's pretty cool. All right, one quick meditation. And this is kind of cool. I like this one. Jesus at the center. If you were to ask me point blank, what does it mean to you to live spiritually? I would have to reply, living with Jesus at the center. When I look back over the last 30 years of my life, I can say that for me, the person of Jesus has come to be more and more important. Specifically, this means that what matters increasingly is getting to know Jesus and living in solidarity with him. I uh, grew up uh, at church camps and in church, obviously, and we're always told, especially in the Pentecostal churches, we're told you need to make Jesus the center of your life. How many have heard that before, been taught that, or even taught it? You know, you got to make Jesus the center. Okay, uh, how do I do this? What part do I shift? What has to move for where? Where's center? (laughs) The fact is, he is already. Jesus is the center of your life. Jesus is your life. So to make him center... I think the last line here says it better than I've seen in a long time. Getting to know Jesus and living in solidarity with him. Living with and in solidarity with the one who already indwells you. It's just a really good devotional from Henry Nowen. Growing up, part four. Ignore the final part there. <laughs> I'll put that on next week. <laughs> it will be, I promise, because Easter's coming. And I got a cool Easter series that I want to run through. All right, did you ever forget a Christmas present that didn't make it under the tree? Oh, I left it upstairs, oh, it's in the closet, oh. Anyway, or did you find an unclaimed gift under the wrapping paper? You know how you pile up your gift sometimes and you unwrap, and, but there's one hidden under all the wrapping and suddenly you get a bonus gift, oh, I didn't see that. Or did you ever find a gift that fell behind a piece of furniture or got tucked behind, it just, you forgot about it, yeah. We have gifts that have been given to us that we have forgotten about, we're not aware of, or we don't realize it's a gift and it's time to see what those are. It's almost like Rod trying to sell a car. I know, how is he possibly gonna tie this into this? It's actually quite simple because when you have a really neat car, and I know when Lori and I went to buy a vehicle from him, he no longer, he's retired now. Just means he has new tread, <laughs> retired. Anyway, um, that was a car joke. <sighs> but uh, so when I when we went there, he showed us a number of vehicles and all the benefits of each vehicle, and you know we could compare. and He didn't tell us what to buy; he merely showed us the existing benefits of each of those vehicles, and we compared them to our needs. Look, this does this. Ooh, you'd never know this unless I showed you. The seat goes up and down. Wow, that's cool. Anyway, uh, or you have this satellite radio. You have this nav system. This one does not. And this one has brakes. That one does not. Don't buy it. So it's like it's pointing out all these things, and you're listening carefully for, wow, that's a really cool feature. And if it's a really expensive car, you're going through the list a lot longer because there's more features, Today, I don't want to sell you a car. I want to show you you. I want to show you the features that are already in you. Those things that already identify the real you. Identity, that's another huge topic. We will get to it, but not today. So in rapid fire, and I'll never get through the 76 slides I have today, I think, it's, I think that's probably exact. It's, I'm not kidding. Because usually I have 30. So that gives you kind of a, as soon as I counted, I'm going, oh my goodness. But somehow I'll go really quick. But I want us to see, because I bet you we don't stop and take account of those benefits. And most of them you'll know. Some might surprise you. And others, you just need the reminder like I do. We began with this growing up, that we're growing in stages. You're a child, young adult, adult. And we covered that, so I won't repeat that. Then we have to be reminded by his divine power, he's given us everything we need for living a godly life. So for features-wise, you have all the features that are possibly available to you. You have more than the manufacturer can boast about. And we received this all. And then last week, we ended with this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. Oh, Wait, every, every spiritual blessing. You have been blessed, past tense. If you don't like the word blessed, get over it. I'm trying to understand it too, because I grew up in a very religious world of blessed, I'm blessed, and I don't like that word much anymore. But it's there. So what does it mean? It is an abundance of something that's been given to you. So, slide one. Just kidding. <laughs> I am blameless. These are not in any order, okay? Because I didn't have time. It was just way too many slides. To I took most of the night. I went to bed at one last night Just to, just because I'm trying to get these slides together. Then I got here this morning and realized, shoot, I forgot to get all these other things ready. It was just a... It got exciting as I was reading through these. It was really cool. So in 1 Corinthians 1.8, it says, He will keep you strong to the end so that you'll be free from all blame on that day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. So we don't think we're blameless right now. We often think that because, oh, you know, I've done this and I've done that. That is a shame trip. You, your true identity, is blameless it's false guilt we hang on to. It's false shame. Illegitimate shame. That's pretty cool. Next. I am in him. So the, It's like being in the car. <laughs> anyway. God has united you with Christ, Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. We're in. We're united. Now, that's one big theme here at Hope Fellowship. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I think that slides up there too. I've been given the mind of Christ. I possess the mind of Christ. I love this phrase I heard a couple years ago. You're possessed. (laughs) Usually we see that in a wrong way. We see it in a movie way. We see it in a, we think of demon possession kind of mentality. And yet, spirit, you have the spirit of Christ in you. You possess Christ. You're one with Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Does it mean we live from that mind? We're in union. We have the mind. We possess it. It is in you. But we're not always using it or aware of it. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. That is a feature that we don't think about a lot. You lack nothing. I'm joined to the Lord and one spirit with him. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Oh, that's the same. There we go. You are one. This is how union works. I don't fully understand union. I don't think any of us do. But there's enough hints throughout the scripture that the repetition of these verses are gonna hopefully hit a home run in your mind and go, oh, I am one. He's literally one with me. We're fused together. It's like putting a tea bag. And hot tea, because there's a few people here who like tea. Coffee's better. But anyway, the tea, it goes in. It becomes one. So when the hot water takes that, it's now joined together. And that's, that's just a neat image of oneness. I am a temple or a home of God. His spirit dwells in me. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? That's where the Spirit lives. Not the building. We always, we, well, if you grew up with me or in any kind of religious world, we always see the church as the place. The building is where God is. This is God's house. Well, how would you like to walk around town? This is God's house. <laughs> I put on a spare room. <laughs> but anyway, it, the whole idea of This is the place of the indwelling. That's where when Jesus was talking about, I go to prepare a place for you. Remember that? We usually think of that as heaven, don't you? We think of mansions. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. And we got a crazy song. But when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, I thought it was the buildings in heaven in a place, like a real place. I didn't think it was me. And you, we're the dwelling place. We're the ones that were being prepared. That changes a lot of the the phraseology or the meaning behind. I like to de-evangelicalize some of these interpretations because I think there are better ways to see it. I am a holy temple. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Uh, you do not belong to yourself. Now, usually this was used as a baseball bat. You're the temple of God. You be careful where you go and what you do and what you put in that. Jesus drank wine. So anyway, it's just, you, can, you can really think through this all you want. Elizabeth liked that one. But the whole idea of being holy. I never knew I was holy. I had to read books on how to be holy, the pursuit of holiness, the pursuit of godliness, books that most of us know from a long time ago. But it was the illusion that I wasn't holy that made me try and study harder and harder. And many of those books gave me a prescription to-do list of what to do or mimic to prove I was holy. And if I wasn't mimicking those things, then I clearly wasn't holy. But when I found out I already was, it's like the watch. Remember my watch story? I was using that watch and somebody I was teaching a conference. That's where I met Rod for the first time. I was teaching a conference on, on prayer and I didn't bring a watch. And so I, some guy, I kept asking what time it was. And by the end, a guy came up to me from Aurelia, uh, Rick Brownhill, that's his name. Um, and he says, here, God told me to give you my watch. And he took it off with a bit of a wincing look. Oh, oh, nice. it's nice. Really light and like, okay, thank you. Didn't have to ask ever again. A year later maybe two years later, I think it was a year later, I'd been doing work at home, that's the only watch I wore, garden, tilled, built a shed behind my garage, you know, bang, 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 and, oh, uh, I need a new battery for this. So I went down to the cheap shop, and, hey, can you, can you please replace the battery? So we can't, you gotta go to a jeweler for this one. Dum dumb, dumb, doesn't know what he's doing, you know, you know how you judge people, right? So I did, I judged him. And then went down to the jewelry store, and the jeweler looked at this watch, I went, hmm. So I told him the story of how I got it. He said, oh. But the look in his face made me think, huh, what's with this watch? Is this a nice watch? He goes, oh, yeah. I said, really? What's it worth? (laughs) He said, well, this watch was probably $2,500 to $3,000 when it was new. And I said, would you like it cleaned up and a new band on there? Yeah. (laughs) Clean it up. Yay. Guess what I did not do after that? I didn't build sheds, I didn't wear gardening, I only wore it for good occasions. I've never wore it for any other occasion. Why? Because I, sorry? I know the value of it now. It was valuable the whole time, I just didn't know it. When I found out I was holy, I began living like who I was. Knowing who you are, makes all the difference. I will never forget that, ever. I belong to God. You were owned. For, you, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Now, I don't like this translation so much for that because it implies the wagging finger. Maybe, maybe I'm the only one who feels that, but I come from a really religious background of guilt tripping and shaming, so that's how I've read it. Maybe you haven't. You didn't grow up with that. I know, Janet, you have not. You have a more nicer picture of who God is, and that might be just totally normal. But I always have the stigma for certain wording, and so that's why I value other translations. But, because I didn't have time to go through translations, because I have so many slides, um, but we belong to God. You are owned. It's like the lost coin. The lady lost her coin, but it still had an owner, and it never lost its value. Think of that. I came to seek and save that which was lost. Huh, they have an owner. They have value. The people we call lost, they're owned by God already, but they didn't say the prayer. So what? I'm a member of Christ's body. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. We are the body of Christ. You know, Dave might be an armpit, but you know, this is this is the body of Christ and how it works. (laughs) This is how it works. Each one brings a gift, each one brings a personality type, each one brings something to the body that adds value that nobody else can. And I I don't like the phrase to bring glory to God. Because then it's like it's only to bring glory to God. Wait a minute. We're bringing glory to each other. We don't think about that. We're encouraging each other, lifting up Christ in you. And you being here encourages the Christ in me. Even without saying a word, the very presence of one another makes a difference. I'm victorious. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have already been given victory over sin. So why are we so sin-obsessed? Why do we keep talking about, well, this sin or that sin, blah, blah, blah? Well, it's because we don't understand what sin is. It means likely something far different than the moral infractions we keep using to define it. I've been established, anointed, and sealed by God. Not the vacuum sealer you do your vegetables in. This is is a different sealing. It is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. Who, what? God enables us? Oh my goodness. Along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us. He has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything that's been promised. There it is. Christ in you again but it's just a different layer, a different way to see this. I'm a new creation. This one's really hard to understand. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. When did it take place? <coughs> it took place at the cross. But I wasn't born at the cross. I only believed 2,000 years later. Hmm. Because all of creation, all of humanity, was reborn. That one's a hard one to swallow because we've been told a different narrative. I think there are more menu items out there to see this than we've been told. I am the righteousness of God. Now this sounds like a, a very big church word, you know, it's the righteousness. It's a, it's a big, big R word if you're watching Sesame Street. Yes, I don't think they ever used that word on that show. It says, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering of our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Being made right, righteousness, right standing. Trying to become righteous? It's not just a slang phrase of, oh, righteous, dude. It's not like that at all. This, This is about you currently, because of your union with Christ, because the Spirit lives in you, you are in right standing with God, you are righteous right now. Even if you don't act like it. When you don't act like it, you're just living out of what you believe. All of us are. When I believe I'm holy, when I believe I'm righteous, believe me, when I'm actually focusing on that, my behaviors will tend to lean towards that kind of a tone. When I forget that, well, you've seen me drive. I've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. This is a really big one. This is huge. We live out of fear a lot in our culture. If you watch the news for five minutes, you ought to be scared. (laughs) That's how it works. They're trying to get your attention. Those good news TV channels never last. Nobody tunes into them, you know? For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. We have these already. You may say to yourself, yeah, I don't have a lot of self-discipline. Yeah, you do, you're just not using it. It means effort? I could put effort into this? yep. And who's the source of that effort? Who's the motivator for that effort? It's Jesus again. It's not simplistic, but it is simple. I am forgiven. This is one of my favorites. Who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins? And there's a whole list of verses that talk about forgiveness. As I said before, I used to pray Pray, pray over and over again, forgive me, Jesus, forgive me, Jesus, just in case I didn't say it right. And I tried to go through the whole list of all the stuff that I didn't repent of or didn't ask for forgiveness for, you know, I should have done this, you know, the sins of omission, the ones you, you should have, you know, it's just crazy. It's a very sick cycle. No wonder people can have difficult issues, even mentally, when they're exposed to that kind of toxic religion, it really is bad. We have been forgiven, whether we agree with it or not. And forgiveness is not a denominator or a, um, it's not the key to the ignition to get into heaven. Forgiveness happened before the cross. You got to know that. But not everybody believes that. They tie forgiveness with salvation and heaven. All that there's a lot of weird links that we've done, and as we start to pull them apart and go, wait a minute, there's more good news than we've been told. Forgiven. Christ Himself is in me. Colossians one twenty-seven. This was my wake-up call twenty-five years ago, for God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you, Gentiles. That is the non-Jews. Um, this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Who's he talking to? Gentiles. But does it say whether they were Christians or not? Well, they didn't use that term back then. Not yet. At least someplace it did. But for a long time, the term Christian was not a term. So did they do a prayer? But Christ lives in them. This to me is one of the greatest declarations in Scripture. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And hope fellowship's key verse. That's what this church is founded on. Isaiah, or Jeremiah 28. Or whatever. Thank you. See? You tie those two together, and the word hope really comes out. This is the secret. I've been firmly rooted in Christ and I'm now being built up. You are being built up. This whole series has been about growing up, maturing in Christ. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. That is a great piece of fruit. That's the result of growing and maturing. Your attitude matters. And there are some whose attitudes just go negative, negative, whine, whine, whine. you got this problem, that problem, and you go over all your health stuff, and you just whine, 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 and there's no thought of thankfulness. And listen, some of those problems are legit. But we're not to focus on that. Growing in Christ should cause us to live from thanksgiving from realizing we are clean holy forgiven righteous now go look at your problems through that lens things might do a bit of shift it doesn't change circumstances but it does change your mind and attitude and tone i've been made complete in christ so you are now complete through your union with christ who's the head over every ruler and authority You've been given everything. How much more complete do you got to get? Lord, give me more patience. Give me more whatever, self-control. Give me, and you can make your list. Stop praying that. That's the lack of faith prayer. It really is. Say, Lord, please, my human-made patience really stinks. Can, can Show me how to access and live from your patience already in me. How about your self-control? Let that live through me. So what's yours becomes mine naturally because we're in union and you learn what abiding is in a whole new way. I've been buried, raised, and made alive with Christ. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised into a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away bad translation then god made you alive with christ he forgave some of your sins yeah all of your sins you were buried with christ when you were baptized what about people who aren't baptized what if it's just a sprinkling Stop. Huh. I'm talking to myself. <clears throat> we were buried with Christ and baptized with Christ at the cross. We were baptised mode in Christ. Christ is our baptism. That is why when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, and he said, You must be born again, he's like, That ain't gonna happen. Do you know how old I am? He's thinking the you know technical and um, like a literal sense and Jesus was speaking about what was coming and there's no way Nicodemus could have a clue so he just, he, a lot of these phrases Jesus used he knew they couldn't comprehend it it was like poof, way over their heads but later they remembered later the spirit of God reminded them and it was incredible it's Like, oh he did say that <laughs> it's kind of funny. By the way, you were dead because of your sins, uh, because of your sinful nature. The word sinful nature is not there. That is a horrific translation. This is talking about um, uh, your, uh, your ego, because uh, you can't have two natures. A tree can't have two natures. Um, a cow can't have a, a dog nature and a cow nature. Okay, it just doesn't work. Nowhere in science does that work, that I'm, especially the way they would understand it. So this has to do with the blindness of our mind. You don't have two natures, you have one. It is the nature of Christ that is your nature. I'm hidden with Christ in God. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So when we're facing difficulties and troubles and really in despair, we get there. All of us have moments of that at some point, even if it's a microsecond or a mini fraction or a day or a week, I don't know. We need mercy for one another. But remember where you're located. You're not outside of God, you are in God. And God is fully aware of everything your feeling, thinking, your circumstances. You know, you ask people how they're doing and say, well, under the circumstances, well, what are you doing under there? (laughs) It's cheeky. All right, I'm an expression of the life of Christ because he is my life. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. This took a bit of time for me to digest. I caught the first brush stroke. Yeah, Jesus is my life. Yeah. And then the in part became real. And then to literally see Jesus is my life, my energy, my oneness it's like, whoa. I wasn't told that. Rod never gave me input on that feature. As he's laying out all the parts of the car. This is laying out the parts of who you are in Christ. And we're not going to finish. You'll see why.. told you. No, 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 no. Not three sermons. This will be done next week. No singing, no announcements. Kids leave right now I'm kidding. let's pray no lunch oh lunch oh we're having lunch yes because I bring the best chili let's pray Heavenly Father thank you for rabbit trails and squirrels thank you for your grace even in those distractions you plant your reflection of your love of your life you remind us of who we are And you do it constantly, but we're not aware. Father, thank you for this premium edition that you built with all the features we could possibly need or want or use and you gave us with great abundance. Please let these truths sink deep into our, not brains, not even our memory, but into our soul so we know it in a deep-knowing way. And may it mark us and change us from the inside out. I pray this in Jesus' name.